Hey, this is Adam. It's Proudly Resents. So I just want to talk real quick. NPR is doing this really cool thing. You can email, you can post or whatever, send them your favorite podcast episode. So an episode of any podcast that you love, send it to them and they'll put it on a list of people's favorite podcast episodes. And then other people can find it. So imploring you guys to be part of podcast history, help put this show on the map, on that map in particular, not just any map. But on the NPR map, so other people can find the show. Take two seconds to do it. Go to proudlyresents.com slash NPR. And that will bring you to their link. And you just fill out real quick uh, which is the name of the episode you like. There's Nico and I do anything with Nico. But Nico and I do Shark Attack 3. That's my favorite interview with the Samurai Cop. Sister Act 2. A lot of people like that one. The real director of the room. So if you go to uh, proudlyresents.com slash NPR, it'll bring you to their site. Fill out the form, really easy, the name of the show, the episode. If you do one of our episodes, do a screen grab of it. You can tweet me at Proudly Resents or email me, reachadam at mac.com. And I will randomly pick one of the people who did it and give them my personal copy of Samurai Cop on DVD, which has an interview with Robert Zadar. Today's is going to be a great show. It's with my good friend Daniel Solinger. He's a producer. He's the czar of low-budget films. He had so much in his interview that I split into two podcasts, so we'll have more of him later. But I wanted to put this out. His movie, L.A. Slasher, comes in theaters on June 12th, so we wanted everyone to know that. And my first question I ask him is a question everybody wants to ask a producer, besides can you read my script, which is what does a producer do? All right, hope you enjoy the episode. And uh, again, thanks for your support. That's always the question. Producing is a very varied and it's a vague term that's used for a lot of different things. You know, when it, when it applies to me, I do physical production. I often uh, get involved in a project if they have money, but they don't know how to turn a script into something you watch on the, the screen. So that's, that's, that's where I get involved. I do physical production. I take the script. I break it down. I budget it. Hopefully, I help cast and I carry it all the way through post-production and you know the promotion and selling of it so ideally i do all that as a producer and then locations and then yeah well space and everything right well once you take the script and you break it down you have a budget then yeah you have to you have to hire the the crew get the locations you know the schedule is a very important part of that we've met a while ago and i'd love to talk about how we met but what made you want to do this because you went to nyu film school and, but why producer? And there's actually producer classes and the producer track. The simple answer is I could make money doing it. I think it's a lot harder if you're a writer or a director or an actor. Probably that's the hardest of all. But for whatever reason, like I have a talent for the logistics and the organizing things, and I could get people to pay me for it. I've been able to make a living at that for a good twenty some years. You know? Did you ever want to direct, or did you? Or you know what? I I've co-written two screenplays. I've and I've got one screenplay that I'm sixty pages into that I'm writing just by myself. I like to write. Um, I have directed things. I've directed like PS and short films and stuff but um, but I feel like all that just helps me be a better producer you it's know? all about being a producer like at this point yeah it's all about being a producer I feel the same way that- uh, you know what me personally I don't want 50 people coming up to me asking me what color they should paint the toilet you uh-huh. know or whatever you know like I don't yeah, want to yeah. you know like what colors should the sash be on this robe I like I don't I really I don't have the patience for those kind of questions I mean like I'll answer a couple but I just can't stand being like because when I was in film school I directed several things and I just Uh I just it was just too much pressure I couldn't take it so how did you start producing what was the first things you did 
What was the first thing? I, I did a lot of music videos. I mean, that was what was great. Like back in film school, back in the early 90s, you know, it's like if you're in film school, you know, you can find a record company that needs somebody to make a music video for five or $10,000, mm-hmm. you know, and you go and you make a music video for them. And that's that's what I did when I was in f- film school. I had some directors that I was friends with that who went, uh, you know, went to film school with and you know, or who I, I, I met just around and they would get a, a record company would be interested in, you know, a video and I would do a budget for them and you know the the record company would hire us and we would go and make the video you know any, any bands that no. Well, you know, they, they back in the day, yeah, they were big, big bands. Now, I mean, the the uh, Tribe Called Quest, which was, which you know, did you do? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, Can I kick it? And I did uh, Check the Rhyme, both wow. of which were kind of hits. Yeah, yeah, they were great videos too. They were fun. We did a video together. You hired me for. Uh, <laughs> do you remember the video? Well, I remember we did a commercial together where you played the the the, the bunny in the Crunch Gym commercials. I was in the bunny costume. You were in the bunny outfit. We were yes. on the phone. I think this is, we would. I am if this happened now. Right. And I said, "What do you do?" And he said. You needed someone you were looking for someone to play the bunny in the commercial and i said yes then you, without you asking you didn't even have to audition did you no it was fantastic and you know what and you brought you brought care i could still you know you can watch that on youtube because i've seen it on youtube and uh-huh. you, you definitely brought character to the to the to the to the costume i'll take it somebody said oh i could tell that's you i was like how can you tell that was me right somebody saw it and they could tell it was you yeah, yeah, yeah. i could believe that yeah yeah i can believe that that's funny and they would yeah right we walked around new york and i wore a bunny costume all day and I got to tell you, it's like weird because people are staring at do you. you remember, like, do you remember throwing the penguin off the the, the roof? <laughs> yes, I swing him around. No, he threw me off the roof. No, no. I land and I dust off. Oh, right, right, right. He and threw you off the roof. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That was great. And there was a stripper. Oh, wait, there's a scene right. where the penguin and I are at a strip club, and it was a, it was a dark room with a pole, one dancer, and two chairs, and then I think I hit him over the head with one of the chairs. Yeah, yeah. So while we were waiting, I was also working at The View at the time uh, as a researcher, so I'm hitting on this woman, and I'm, she's like, oh yeah, I'm a... You hit on all the women everywhere we went, as I recall. I don't... I don't remember that. My wife's not listening. Um, it was the 90s. Does your wife listen a, to the show? I mean, this was before you met your wife. It was before she was born. This is a long time. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is very young. I, I don't know if I could share this story. You may have to edit this out. But I remember, because I used to hire you as a production assistant, too. Yeah. And I remember I, I, you were I, you were in charge of a lockup. When a lockup is when you're not supposed to let people come through the thing. Right. Right? And, <laughs> and, and you had disappeared for your lockup for like five or ten minutes. And, and basically, I'm like, Adam, you know... Well, you know, where were you? And you were you were basically like had like met some woman on the lockup and gone and made out with her and then like came back to the lockup. I don't remember that at all. Do you remember what the project was? Oh, it was it was uh, I don't know some commercial or something. Because remember, I met oh. you through that 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 uh, production company Beehive. They were doing commercials, and yeah. I knew the woman who was a producer. And I come back to New York, and she hired me as a receptionist. And you were a producer, and you were on the phone. We we sat next to each other. And it was great because this is what a producer does. This guy kept changing. They were getting mo- we were getting models for the shoot, right? This gorgeous Italian-looking woman, and uh, they changed the price on you. And I remember you were on the phone, and you were like, "You," and it was the day before the shoot, and you said, <laughs> "You said you have me over a barrel. You have me over a barrel. Fuck you. You got me over a barrel. You got me." Did I give him the money? The, the extra money? Maybe, yeah. I think Maybe. you might have done it anyway. Because I, I hate that. There's nothing I hate more than people in bait and switch me. You know? what, like, so what happens? Well, no, well, you know what? It, it's not that, you know, somebody will like, 
you'll go through a process. Let's say you hire a model, you know, and then the day before the shoot, all of a sudden, let's say you hire them for a thousand dollars. The day before the shoot, all of a sudden, it's two thousand dollars. Right, you know? that's what happened to you. And you know, and 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 it's, and people do that kind of stuff all the time, and it drives me nuts. And I usually just don't do it. I just I don't you find somebody else. Yeah, I even even if I sh- even if I'm hurting myself or shooting myself in the foot, I, I'll usually be like, okay. You want, then we'll find somebody else, you know, and I, I often take that attitude, but I, I, I suspect in that case, I didn't. Well, I don't think it was like, your money. I think we had a little more money because it was a commercial shoot. No, it doesn't matter how much money there is. It's just the principle of it just bugs the, the, the uh-huh. bugs me. I just, I, I won't, I won't do, do it. Do people ever come back? Like, okay, we'll go back to the original. No, usually, place. usually they do. Usually yeah. they do actually, but I have to be prepared to replace them. I do have to be prepared to go, you know, like you can't say something like that if you're not prepared to, and, I, and I've definitely done that where like I've had to replace somebody like the night before or whatever because. It was the, just because their people got greedy or they got greedy last second. Everybody just has their own style of negotiation, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. And, it's, and it's true. You don't get what's fair. You get what you negotiate. So, uh-huh. you know, that's just some people like choose to, to, to do that, but I don't like to play those games. You know, like I, I'm very clear about things up front. This is the job. This is how much it pays, you know, and, and so I'm very clear up front. So, you know, if, if somebody wants to change things, you know, like when they, I, <laughs> on LA Slasher, I'm going to tell the story on LA Slasher uh-huh. because, um, comes out in May. Comes out in May. We had an actress who basically held up the whole shoot because she wanted to make sure that on the IMDb that it would sort her second. And her manager's calling me and, she, and she's got me over a barrel. You know, it's uh-huh. like because I need to shoot this scene that she's in. And, but I just, I didn't want to budge on it and I wouldn't budge. And she literally, like I watched her, I'm on the phone with her manager and I'm watching her across the, the parking lot, get in her car and start to drive, drive home, you know? Did you already started shooting the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. We were in the middle. We were almost done shooting the movie. Wow. You know, but it was important for whatever reason, this was very important. So I had to run out, stand in front of her car. <laughs> to stop her from leaving, uh-huh. and and then basically I had to give up and acquiesce and say, okay, we will we will adjust the IMDb so you are second whenever it sorts by not by star meter but just naturally however it sorts you know that you'll be you'll be sorted second, right. you know. But then doesn't it I had hurt no other choice. Or else we, like, or, or else we had a, oh yeah, of course it hurt. Her. It killed. You know what happened is uh-huh. she was she was very difficult to work with, and what ended up happening was. Uh, in the edit room, the movie wasn't coming together, right? And we had to go out and shoot more scenes. And it would have been so easy to pivot and make her the star of the movie. Oh, really? She could have been the star of the movie, but because she was so difficult to work with, we did not invite her back for any of the reshoots. We made up other storylines. We found out other ways to, 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 to solve our narrative issues. She missed out on being the star of the movie because she was so difficult to work with. Was that even a discussion? Like, oh my God, this would be easier if we wrote her Oh, in. so many times. We'd be like, we, we, we were agonizing like you know in the edit room it, naturally she seems to be the one that we should make the movie about you know uh-huh. and we, we just kept going but we can't she's just I can't spend another day on set with her <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it and it wasn't just me it was the director it was the other people involved we were just like we just we just can't do it because she was you know like she would do things like that like walk off set because she wasn't second on IMDB wow so mm. right so just keep to where you are where you're at I mean is there a negotiation mm. trick for you is there something that people? I mean, know? I personally, like I was you're saying before, front. I'm very. I'm just, I like to be very upfront. I like to say, but yeah, I'm very though, clear. Let me, let me be honest. Right, you're also cheap. 
Oh, you're also not cheap. You're also well. Yeah, good. I, I work on low budget, so, so I, you're I don't, not like free with them. You're up. Front, I don't. But I, I don't have an opportunity to just throw money at the problem. But you know what I mean? Like as a producer, people always think that I'm ripping them off, and right. I'll make them an offer. <laughs> but I'll make an offer like ten percent lower, so I can negotiate. Right. Up right. To have some to have some room negotiating room. Right. 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 So it's yeah. not. It's not that you're giving everybody. You're not giving them the moon, but you're making the real offer that you can make. I well, I usually yeah, I, I usually try to leave myself some wiggle room, you know, uh-huh. I, to go up on, you know, yeah, I don't put out the number that I, I you know, I generally I, I'd like to work sometimes I'd, I'd like to just give them the real numbers, but but no, I, I usually negotiate. yeah, you got to give room to negotiate exactly. What is there some kind of rule you have or some kind of tip for someone who's negotiating against? Well, I, there's there's two sides. There's like when I'm negotiating for something that I I, f- I feel like uh, there's this great book on negotiating by uh, this sports agent uh, Lee Sternberg, the guy who's the Jerry Maguire is based on. Right. He wrote this really great book called Winning with Integrity, mm-hmm. and his advice for negotiating is basically that you don't play split the difference. You basically say what you think you're worth. And you stick to it. And every time they try to play split the difference with you, you come back to the reasons why you're at that that price or that position or whatever. You know, and I, I, I like that I like that advice and I, I try to use it as much as possible, you know. Um, it's it's better when I'm the when it's it's like I'm trying to justify why I should get paid when I'm, right, you know, like right. when I'm on the on that side of the table rather than the other side of the table. Uh, it, it's it's a little bit more fun or works a little bit better, you know, when when you're on the other side of the table. But I think I think it's good to just sort of know what you want and then stick to it. I just I, it's, I think that just it just works out the best all the way around. Because even if this woman had given in, said okay, I don't want to be second, she'd already put it out there. So I think you guys would have already been. Right. Well, I mean, the 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 well was so poisoned. There wasn't really much, <laughs> you know. Like once you're sitting, I mean, come on. Like once you're talking about like what rating, like where you should come up on the IMDb, it is so far away from the 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 work itself. Like the care. If you want to fight with me because you need money to do research for your character, like yeah. that's a fight I'd like to have. Yeah. You want you you don't feel like the wardrobe fits your character, we need to go out and buy something that fits your character and I have to spend extra money on that. Like that's that's a fight I want to have. I don't want to have a fight about where your standing is on IMDb. I, that's just like such a pointless Right. I mean, you know, and so there's no once we're even having that discussion, like we're not talking about the work and the respect has kind of gone out the window. You've done a lot of great films and, and a lot of not great films, but <laughs> a lot of great films. But uh, Rhyme and Reason. Right. That's a rap documentary. That was, you know what? It's funny. That just showed at BAM. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's interesting how things just sort of have a life of their own. And, you know, like there's, I'm working for, a, I'm working on a, a documentary now. And the director of the documentary had a shoot up in Seattle with a bunch of fishermen, you know, and they were going out on a boat. And evidently the fishermen had found out that I had done Rhyme and Reason and they, they just couldn't stop talking about Rhyme and Reason to this this poor director who like <laughs> wanted to, yeah, yeah, he's like, what about, what about my work? You know, he's like, yeah. oh no, but Rhyme and Reason, he did Rhyme and Reason? Like when, you know, like whatever. Like some, so people really like that movie. Um, I, I did a lot, of, like I said, I started out doing hip hop videos. So right. I had a, uh, a lot of hip hop videos under my belt, and uh, a friend of mine uh, had an investor that came to him. He had just been nominated for an Academy Award, and the investor came to him and basically said, "I'll fund whatever you want to do." And he said, "I want to do a documentary on hip hop." Which at the time there was no documentaries on hip hop. What year was this? This was ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, in like 94. Uh-huh. Yep, 94. So you started you started research and then what happened? Well, you know what? It's 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 a very the making a documentary is a very interesting process because you know, I I'm used to, you know, okay, we do a budget, we set up a schedule, we go out and we shoot it and we edit it and we're done. Um, so that's basically the way I approach the documentary. It's like, okay, we're going to shoot, you know, 10 rappers and boom, 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 boom. And I set up a schedule and that is so not how it happens, you know, on a documentary. <laughs> because, you know, it's like, first of all, like we would go and we would shoot somebody and they would be like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Let me get my friend, this other rapper involved. And, uh-huh. you know, and we got, we ended up getting like probably like a hundred different rappers that we went out and shot, you know. So, it wasn't, you know, so there's that aspect of it. And then there's the aspect that you're, you get in the edit room and in the edit room is basically where you write the script so you go and you shoot all this stuff and then you start putting it together and you're like oh well this is the story that we're telling and then you realize like oh we need to shoot more for it to fill in this hole and we need to uh-huh. we have this theme that we want to explore so let's go and ask some other rapper questions on this theme you know so it, it just it, it ended up taking three years rather than you know the six months that I thought it was going to take and can you work on other projects when you're doing this? You know, yes, yes, you can. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get, I'm getting involved in two documentaries right now that I'm, I'm totally expecting it to take years, and it'll be done in and around my other work. You uh-huh. know? Yeah. And what happened to Rhyme and Reason? You got picked up by Miramax, right? Yeah, Mir- Miramax. Yeah, exactly. Miramax bought it, and um, they distributed it. Yeah, and it's out there. You can, you know, people, you can go and watch it on Netflix right now. I think. But there was another one that came out around the same time. Right. So when we started out, we. Um, we we uh, we 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 worked with this guy Shaquem right. to get this group called Naughty by Nature into our movie uh-huh. and uh, Queen Latifah's manager right partner <laughs> and they're both from the same town right they're, both they're from, from Newark Newark uh, yeah. yeah this is thrilling so anyway back so you talk to Shaquem you get Naughty by Nature <laughs> yeah and so uh, and then we went to and met with Def Jam Records who was the biggest hip hop label at the time and. We met with Lior Cohen, a very legendary, you know, figure in the rap industry. And, uh, you know, we thought like, oh, this meeting went really great, you know. And then we came out and then the next day we saw uh, there was an article in the front page of Variety about how Def Jam Records was going to make this documentary film. <laughs> and the article read like our press, like their their press release was basically they took the treatment for our documentary and then changed the names on it and gave it to <laughs> Variety as a press release right. because they used the exact same language. The article had the exact same language as our treatment for our movie. Wow. Can you do anything at that point? Well, you know what? It's funny because we, we discussed it and it's, it's several points along the way when the Variety article came out. They, they made a movie called The Show. When they were getting ready to release the show, we were still making Rhyme and Reason. We thought, well, should we get an injunction? But the bottom line is like we're filmmakers. Like we don't, you know, like we could have, we could have become, you know, we could have gotten wrapped up in litigation and lawsuits I mean you, you look at what just uh, you know Robin Thicke just went through right. you know like that that stuff takes years and you gotta like really focus on it and whatever and we just decided we wanted to make our movie uh-huh. you know and, and, I, and I feel like 15 some plus years later like I feel like our movie stands out but when you put yeah, it next it to the show film at, all. You know? at the end of the day yeah. nobody sort of one over the other yeah I don't, I don't feel like exactly and no one's still really talking about the show as much exactly as. I don't feel like people talk about the show like they do rhyme and reason I just think it's interesting you work in a lot of like the same genre I feel like is that am I wrong that you do uh, hip hop videos you do this documentary then you did love goggles and mm. then here when he in LA recently you've done a lot of Christian films and a lot of horror film well, and I just did a movie for YG which actually what took me that? YG's a, he's a rapper okay and uh, you know he's 
He's he's a uh, he's an interesting guy. He's an interesting dude. Um, but but it's, it was for Def Jam Records, and it was very interesting to me years later how you know things had changed. You know the record industry has changed. You know like. Right. What did you do for him? Was it a video or is it a movie? No, it was, it was a half hour film uh-huh. uh, that that was based. So he put out a, a record called My Crazy Life, and and he actually wanted this film to be to promote that record. But that record sort of took off and was a big hit. And so he didn't sort of have the money and the clout to make a, a half hour film. Do you remember Murder Was the Case? The uh-huh. Snoop Dogg movie right. that came out with his mo- his record Murder Was the Case. That's basically what this was, except for instead of it being for My Crazy Life, they put out a new record called um, Blame It on the Streets, and they, they titled the movie Blame It on the Streets, and so they used it to promote the, the new record that just came out. And where does that go? Does that go to YouTube? That goes well, out? Netflix, it's on Netflix now. You know, Somebody put it on YouTube. It got like a million views on YouTube. And how did you want them doing horror films? How did that come about? It's. It, it, I just think. I feel like I. I'm sort of like floatsome and jetsam. I. Go, I go wherever the the industry goes. You know, when hip hop music videos were the thing, like I was doing hip hop. You know, like that's where the money was. That's where I went and worked. And we've just come through a period where like everybody wants to make a horror film because they're cheap to make. They don't need to have stars. They sell internationally. So. I got involved in several horror films, you know. You did Pack Two. What were some of the films? The uh, the Pack Two. Well, the Alphabet Killer was the I guess the first one. That was a pretty um, good. Then then the Girls Against Boys. I'm. It's but you see, like Girls Against Boys is more is not a horror film, and, and L.A. Slasher is not a horror film, but it's sort of using that genre as a stepping off point, you know. How's it? What is L.A. Slasher about? The L.A. Slasher wants to get rid of all the reality TV stars. That's his mission. And once he starts abducting them, basically the public agrees. And they start, they, they, he basically becomes a hero for a new generation. The, right. the L.A. slasher who takes the, the reality TV stars and he's committed to destroying reality TV. So you work with low-budget films. What are some of the mistakes that people make that you have to come in? Well, uh, you know... Or I, you can avoid uh, there's so many. Um, there's so many things. I guess the main thing is just sort of understanding the all the the moving parts that it takes to to make a film. So there's 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 definitely that. You know, I feel really proud on L.A. Slasher because I was got very involved in the casting. Was able to get like great people like Danny Trejo oh, wow. and. Um, Misha Barton and, and Dave Batista and Andy Dick, just all these great people into it. So that was that was what was fun for me, uh, you know. And, and, and it's not necessarily easier. Or, or you would probably do, be great at that because you have all those contacts with all those t- managers and agents to, to and get stuff. them on for casting. I mean. For casting, yeah, yeah. 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 But but that that right off the bat is like how to figure out you know it's not the easiest thing to get you know you know actors how, in your how movie. How do you get like someone like Danny Trejo or? or well, you know, it's it's a, it's a matter of just contacting their agent and knowing what their value is and what to offer money wise and stuff. But it's also too like if you don't have a track record, they're not really going to take your call seriously anyhow. Or if they don't think you're going to make a decent movie, like they're not going to return your call. So so how do you get in there? Or you, you or you just say, oh, I made all these films and usually that usually yeah they, they you have they, they you can look you up them. and see what you what what you've done. Oh yeah, yeah you can't lie anymore. No, you can't. You can't, <laughs> you can't lie. People, it's pretty easy to figure out what people have done. Yeah. And uh, how was Andy Dick? Love Andy Dick. Yeah, he's I, crazy, but I love him. Yes. Yeah, I've worked a lot. With, he's good. There's good Andy and there's bad Andy. So. Well, you know what? 
I mean, what I love about Andy is, first of all, he was perfect. He's he plays the he does the voicing of the slasher. Uh-huh. So he was like just that that sort of gone. What I love about Andy is he's he he the, he goes out on a limb and cuts the limb off. You know, like he like he does. He's not afraid to just take a joke or take a, a make a. He's not afraid to make a choice that's at the farthest extreme of what you can choose. You uh-huh. know, so that's what I love about him. You know, he also he obviously has some personal demons that he's sort of battling with. You know. Um, creatively, I he's he's awesome, and and then so Danny Trejo, do you, is it part of the pitch? Like you'll be here for a day, you'll be here for two days. Well, that, I mean that's the thing that was great about LA Slashers. We sort of designed it in a way is that we had like all these great roles that could be shot in a day. Uh-huh. So yeah, so you call you know so you call Danny Trejo. It's like okay, come and work for a day. Like that's an easy commitment for, you know to make if you have the you know the right amount of money. You know the come and right. do a day. Even so, if it's less money than they usually make, it's just one day's work. Yeah, exactly. That- exactly. Yeah. Well, there's there's you know there's a list of actors that you can sort of call if you have the, a certain amount of money and they'll come and work for a day for a certain amount of money. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. they really won't read the script or you know, <laughs> you know just just come and show up. Can you and do tell it. when they get there that there's just oh yeah yeah yeah, but that doesn't take anything away from their talent or their you know. Uh, well, their talent is that they're they're good enough to come show up and and do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, my friend paid twenty grand to Fred Willard to be in this film. He overpaid. He overpaid. <laughs> now, could you get Fred Willard? They had to fly to L.A. to shoot the Fred Willard part. Okay, let's start with who's Fred Willard. You don't know Fred Willard? In I think I do. Show, best in show. He was. Yes. The yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. He plays um, on Modern Family. Uh, Phil's dad. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, no, that's who I thought it was. That's who okay. I thought it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, but, sorry. Right, so I'm you, sorry, Fred. Um, he's. He's pulled a but um, yeah, I wouldn't pay twenty thousand. So all right, so let's say his rate is twenty. But for one day, it? how many? One day. How, for how? I paid. One, I, it was I one scene. I would offer him for that for a week, maybe. I, that's where I would oh, start. Is, but I'm was, cheap. I'm cheap. It's Paul's show, uh, first time caller, or I'll believe you. And uh, they're shooting in Florida. He probably don't want me to tell you this, but anyway, shooting in Florida. They came to LA. To none, shoot of this, none of this is going on anywhere, right? You're not no, recording this. No, I'm not recording this at all. Um, but they they came to LA to shoot it, so he didn't even come to Florida, and they paid him twenty grand. Is that how do you talk him down? How do you talk down? You've got to start low. Yeah, I would I would say like five grand. It's one scene, and then right, uh-huh. especially one scene. I mean, right. yeah, that's that's what I would do. I would I would I would well, I would maybe you, even start lower. I might even start at twenty five hundred. But really, but that's me. That's me. So how but, do you do that? Because there's no track record. There's a, well, the track record is an issue, you know. But 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 you know. I mean, at best, he knows if if this movie doesn't make any doesn't go anywhere, you're still getting the checks going to clear, right? Right. Well, so that's important. Yeah, yeah, you got. Yeah. So, they, all right. They, so you they, started to. They usually want it in escrow because. The, oh really? Oh yeah, because the, they 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 need it up front basically because you know an independent film they 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 don't. They don't know where the money's. Yeah, the they don't know if there's there. money there or not. Yeah, they 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 usually like to get the money up front. Uh-huh. But you know what? I forget anything. No, no, forget I said all that. No, 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 no. Fred Willard, twenty grand. No, no, no. He's, right, he's worth every penny of it. <laughs> did, did did they sell it based on his name? Did that did that help him? They had them other sell? big names too. So they did that able. help him sell it? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I think it gives the film legitimacy. It does. It does. It totally does. But all right. So you know his this guy's rate is twenty. How do you start? How do you start at twenty? How do you, how do you know his raise twenty? Who told you this raise twenty? I don't know. I'm assuming because they paid him. To, I assume that it was like. He yeah, gets, I'd be, I'd be curious about how they got to that number because, you know, 
Like once you once twenty comes out your mouth, you're not going in the other direction, you know. Right. So you know, so you got to be careful what you put out in the beginning. And and I've definitely had it where you know, like I put out a number and they're just like, no, bye. I'm like, well, I can come up, and they're like, no, just no. Because hmm. they, you started so low. Yeah, because I I went too low to initially. So you oh. know, like you, I have made that mistake definitely. Yeah. Like when you hired me on the pack too. I that was I probably I probably lowballed you. You did. I took it. <laughs> But why was I cut out of the pack two? Let's be honest. It was probably the best scene in the whole film. Um, you'd have to ask the directors. But, but I think you were rushing it. You were supposed to, like, you were supposed to be like coming down the stairs crying that this horrible thing happened in your building. Right. You know, and I think, I think, I think you were in a hurry. You were like coming down the stairs like, okay, I got somewhere to go. I got somewhere to be. I you know? want to be on camera. <laughs> <laughs> you told me it was for plot, but it definitely was too fast. Yeah, slow down the film. What's that? I blame the other actor. Well, <laughs> it's also, but you know what? It's it was not um, it was not a well conceived scene to begin with. Quite honestly, you think. know. Material. So you watched the pack too? No, you told me it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, after you told me it wasn't in it, why was I? Why would you <laughs> watch it? <laughs> you know, if, if you think about it, it wasn't really smart scene. It didn't move the move. It didn't move the story forward to have these guys arrive on the scene to go and look at this murder site, you know, to, to run into the landlord who's crying on the way to, into the murder site. How does that move the story forward? You know, it just, it doesn't. So you could have given the best crying scene possible I I I and it still might not have made it. Cause you it knew my motivation what was that my cat, your cat. Yeah. You used like, your cat. Yes. Did your cat die? No, but I thought, what if my cat died? Ah, uh, that and would then, work. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can see you doing that. That's what went through my head. A picture of my little cat. Inspector. No, I'm going to cry. But I should use the other cat because I might have walked slower. <laughs> I used the wrong cat. <laughs> so but after um, Rhyme and Reason, what, what happened is you started, you did Love Goggles, which I thought was fascinating. I did you, love you did that, um, you used your apartment for the office. You had this I, really cool apartment in New York City. Which, a cool apartment. Wow. That cool put, for us in our 20s. Yeah, was, that, exactly. That, it was a cool apartment in your 20s. In your 30s, it's, it's a, it was a death trap. You in your 30s when you were living there? I, I I think I turned thirty while I was there, and I had to move. Wait, I think, to explain what it was. Well, it was it was it was a basement loft on Bleecker Street. It was, <laughs> it was very generous. <laughs> a basement loft. <laughs> okay. Okay. It was a basement loft. <laughs> okay. It was a basement. Well, it didn't have any walls in it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just one big room. One big so that's basement. why I call it a loft. Oh, great. Okay. The, the the ceiling was only like seven, six, seven feet high. Right, so right. So there, there was that to it. The uh-huh. bathtub was in the middle of it. Uh-huh. So there there was that element to it. It did flood every time it rained. Oh yeah. So there was that element loft, to it. Really. Yes. But you had a backyard. <laughs> there was a there was a little backyard. Yes. And that area now have you seen it it's, i haven't been back lately no it, it's there's the w hotel is there what it's very fancy i think your building was knocked down it's no you no, wouldn't it's recognize it oh you wouldn't recognize that's... it it's but you used to know all the homeless guys on the street yeah yeah, yeah. i used to buy crack like around the corner oh really yeah so they knew you <laughs> yeah. that's another reason to get out of that apartment yeah. but when i went to visit you and you were doing um that movie, there was just like thirty people running around your apartment. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I used to use my house as, as a production office. Would you do That's, that again? No, my wife wouldn't let me. No, <laughs> it seemed no. nuts. There's so many people in your house. Yeah, it didn't bother me. Again, you know, you get older. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, whatever happened the, to Love Goggles? I know you love that film. Love Goggles, it's, it's you, yeah, you, I think you can get that on, um, you can get that, I don't know if it's if it, where it's streaming, but you can definitely, it's definitely out there. You know, you can, I know you can buy a D, I, I've seen like VHSs of it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it got out there, it got out there. Do you get yeah. involved in that part after the film? I, I sometimes do like the K-Town Cowboys. So that's yeah. in South by Southwest. So we're going to go to South by Southwest. We have a uh, sales agent and, you know, a publicist. And we're trying to drive up the value of the movie beforehand. And we'll go there and press, try to get as much press as possible. There was a great article today basically saying uh, it's, one of, it's the, one of the most anticipated movies at South by Southwest. So our uh-huh. publicist placed that article somewhere and they were going through the top 25 most anticipated films at South by Southwest and they compared us to... They, um, Swingers? No, what's that James Franco movie with the, where he was with the cornrows? Uh, oh, Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers, yeah. They compared us like, oh, is K-Town Cowboys going to be the next Spring Breakers, you know? Uh-huh. So like you, you, you try to like, publicists try to place these stories and do these things to try to make everybody go like, wow, that's, we got to go see the K-Town Cowboys, you know? So the, you know, all the distributors are sort of tripping all over themselves to go and see it and, you know, That's hopefully great. they then they're bidding against each other, you know, and it's, oh, I'll pay you a million, I'll pay you 1.5, you know, and, uh-huh. you know, hopefully they, they drive the price up and you, you, you sell it because that's really the only way you're going to make your money back is if you get in that situation. Otherwise, you're lucky to pay. But is it smart to, so you wouldn't even go there if you didn't have press or some kind of well we wouldn't even go there if we didn't get in so that's that's the how do you get that's the okay so (laughs) right that's the obvious question so on k-town cowboys how we got in is that one of the actors in our film is a musician who played south by southwest last year so we had a little bit of an in Uh but then when we heard that the film programmer was coming out to afm we took him out and we got him really drunk and i think that helped the korea town yeah, which we gave him the whole K-Town experience, yes. Just so people know what it's about, because it is fun. It looks like a fun... Yeah, yeah, it Just is. going drinking and hanging out. And yes, it's about drinking and hanging out. What did you like about it? It's different, obviously, than what you've been doing. Yeah, you know what I like about it is is it was a web series, so it was a popular web series, and the team, the you know, uh, Danny Cho, who wrote it, and uh, Daniel Park, who directed it, and... Uh, Brian Chung, who was another producer on it, they're they're all a very tight group, and they all really support and help each other. I said one of the guys, Robbie, is a musician, so Danny's a comedian. Like Robbie will get all the people at his music gigs to go to Danny's comedy clubs. Oh, wow. Danny will get all of his comedy audiences to support something that Peter's in. It's a really self-supporting group. And, and I really, I thought it was going to be successful when I, when I met them. I saw what they were doing. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to go somewhere. So it's like a sequel to, like, where, where they It's a follow-up on, yeah, it's a follow-up on uh, a web series. And yeah, it's a few years later. I think the web series hit about like four years ago. So now in the movie, the, uh, you know, in the web series, they're just all about them going out and partying. Now they're a little bit older. They go out and they party, but they have other sort of bigger issues that they're dealing with as they get older. And what are some of the obstacles to sell this film at this point? Well, I think, you know, like the, the big challenge is going to be convincing them that it's a crossover appeal because it's a, it's a Korean American cast, you know, and that uh, convincing the distributors that it will play for a wider audience than just Korean Americans. You never want to just be in a niche audience. Even if it's a horror film, like you want it to break out something like The Shining, where even people who aren't into horror films will go and see 
see the movie, you always want to sort of start with like a core audience and then go out wider than that. Uh-huh. But also economically, in terms of selling the movie and making our money back, like we, we basically have to convince distributors that it's going to be a, a bigger audience, like a mainstream audience will go and see it. You said the pact made money. They made the sequel because it made money overseas. Yeah, the, the pact, the, it's a horror film, the pact. It, I think it did $4 million of business in England for some reason. Uh-huh. They, they loved it over there. So they knew when we went and shot it that they were going to be able to make their money back you know, on it. As a matter of fact, I've already, I've got profit participation. I've, I've already gotten one check and I'm guaranteed that I'm going to get another check this year from that. So do I still get checks even though it's cut out of the film? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> Where is my profit participation? What did you negotiate? What was it? Oh, I did not negotiate that. Weren't you I the one shocked. who wanted you to the IMDb ranking? To- I did. I wanted to be 35 instead of 37. <laughs> Am I even on the IMDb? Probably not. No. No, they don't even remember I was you there. Did, I don't think you said anything. You don't get it. I don't think you the, have to say something I, to be on it. I think you had to no. say something. I'm saying it now. I'm putting myself on it. I can put myself well, on I, it. I need to go back and look at the credit. I probably credited you. You, you, you. you could be on IMDb. Yeah, I'm going to move it up. Move up my number. <laughs> I was just happy to do it. You, you could have gone out. You could have, you could have held out for. You gave me 75 to come out. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything anyway. I had nothing to negotiate. What was I going to say? <laughs> I didn't care. Yeah. I don't, you could have called me the night before and said, Daniel, I want, a, I want 100. Yes. Could I, I have gotten 100. A, yeah, and, like, and then I would, I would have been like, Adam, I'm going to have to find somebody else. You would have found somebody else? No, no. You're, you were tight. I wouldn't have done that. But you wouldn't have done How that. How high would you have gone? For 75, what, what could I got it? You could have gone up to 100. 100. You probably, yeah, I would, I, and I would probably have paid you the other 25 like out of my petty cash. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then faked a receipt or something. There you go. Like, that <laughs> works. But the way you, you cast me, you said you showed people from your Facebook page that you knew. Right. Because you figured you can get for 100 Yeah, because well, it wasn't a speaking role, you know, so it wasn't a speaking role. And yeah, they, they liked your face, so... You know, I'm not, always looking to put enough. you in some something. Thanks, so Danny. How can you see LA Slasher? LA Slasher is going to be out in theaters. It's going to be on video probably in September on streaming and and DVD and all that. That's how you go see it. Awesome. Thanks, Danny. All right. Thank all right. you. Adam, we're out of time for this interview. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com or on our comment line. Ready? Get a pencil. (laughs) I'll wait. Okay, got one? Okay. 646-481-5476. Six. Keep it clean and short. We might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend, I'm Eddie Pepitone, and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone. Hey, what's going on? It's Adam. It's Proudly Resents. Last night, it was Saturday night, and I was, you know, being the madman that I am with a new kid sleeping upstairs. I was downstairs watching Ghost Shark for an upcoming show I'm doing with Nico. You can find that on YouTube or uh, at our Facebook page or on our website, prowlersense.com slash ghost shark. But anyway, I was also half looking at uh, Facebook, and Tony wrote a nice note saying that he missed the show. Well, sorry, Tony. 
It's back. It's, uh, it's been a, a moment. Sorry about that. I never wanted to be the podcast as always like apologizing for taking too long. So I took a break for the baby. I'm over her. We're moving on. So we have this show and we have the show Nico I just mentioned and uh, some other ones coming up on a regular schedule. So hope to see more of you then. And uh, write in on Facebook for anything. We put up a lot of uh, good movie links. So any movie links you see or want to see, post them on Facebook or come check them out. Prowlersins.com slash, um, I'm sorry, Facebook slash dot com slash Prowlersins. All right. Thanks for all the kind words and everyone writing and everyone on the uh, Facebook page. And you can go to our website to sign up for um, the newsletter, which comes out maybe annually. It's just on me. So, um, and then we got a, a posting about a movie called Dark Dungeons, which looks great. So, if you have a movie and you want to post your movie, I'm more than I would love to have it there. Uh, there's also, if you go to the Facebook page, you'll see um, Oral History of Airplane. A link to that. Uh, Sigmund, uh, my buddy from college, put up the Uncanny Film Festival and Camp Meeting. Very bizarre. And uh, Tony, uh, actually, Tony also put up uh, Shark and Saw Women's Prison Massacre, which I would like to see over, spoiler alert, Ghost Shark. What a terrible, awful movie. All right. And then for some reason, I posted a picture from, a very boring picture from New Media Expo of four white men talking about uh, how TV is not dying, which means TV is dying. It's pretty scary stuff. All right, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Beep. I always feel like I'm leaving a voicemail message when I talk directly. Uh, it's always very weird. <laughs>